Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Petra Kobler. She is an internationally renowned fitness expert and wellness leader, and she's known throughout the industry as a crusader for change and a beacon of authentic happiness. I love that about her. And why I chose to have her on the show today, well, actually, you'll hear about it as we chat. She really showed up in my life and was such a kind and generous person. And she's also, I want to talk a little bit about women supporting each other in business. We met at the Dallas ICES show, so you'll hear that story. But also, she really has created a solution for an epidemic that we I'd say 99% of us struggle with, and that is perfection. So she's recently written a book called The Perfection Detox, and it's about taming your inner critic, living bravely, and unleashing your joy. And she sent this to me a few weeks ago, and I sat out by the pool, and I read it on a Sunday. It is good stuff, you guys. So listen in. You're going to love her. You're going to love her story, and you're going to want to go grab a copy of this book. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I'm a licensed esthetician, spa owner, industry consultant, speaker, and journalist, and the founder of the Beauty Biz Club, which is the only professional success based society designed to dramatically up your bookings, increase your profits, and provide you with industry specific resources that are needed to succeed. If you'd like to know more about how you can become a member of the Beauty Biz Club, please visit beautybizclub.com. Now I invite you to join me as I feature inspirational messages from industry gurus and practical tips to tap into your best success. Stay tuned for some serious Beauty Biz entertainment. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Cree, and today I'm excited to introduce you to Petra Kobler. How are you, Petra? I am so good. Thank you for having me on the show, Lori. Of course. Are you in New York City this morning? This morning, I am in New York City, and to be more specific, I'm in my closet in New York City. <laughs> I, that was one of the questions that I was going to ask you. How do you find a place to record in New York City? Because I remember when I was a flight attendant, there's a lot of noise there, no matter where you are. Okay. I want to go into the whole flight attendant thing, but yes. So, I mean, there's, you know, I have friends of mine that go to a podcast recording studio. I just don't have the time. And I recently moved for that very instance, Laurie. I was in a lovely one bedroom where I recorded in my closet there, but the building next door was taken down due to construction. So I, I literally moved because I couldn't, even my closet wasn't quiet enough. So it is a challenge, but I'm just like, that's, part of the joys of living in New York is the access and some of the things you have to live with is this side thing of it is a little bit noisier than most cities. Personally, I always found the food made up for the noise. Like I loved flying there just to get pizza. <laughs> Foods, friends and pizza. For yeah, sure. I have to find my way back out there soon because I haven't been there since shortly after September 11th and I'm ready for that energy again. Oh, I think, well, you know, I mean, you're such a curious person and, and, you know, I think for you to come and visit, you know, just see what's going on in New York. It's always such a, people, people that haven't been here for a while go, 
the things that come to mind, it's so fast and they think it's unfriendly. I think it is probably the most friendly city in the world. And what I say is, you know, New York treats you like you treat it. So if I go into my morning going, I'm kind of over you, New York, it will kick me in the butt. But if I go, I am coming out, what have you got for me? What can I bring to you? It just opens up in the most magical ways. Well, beautiful. Isn't that life too, right? It's how we set our intentions. Yeah. Mindset is everything. And I know you talk about that. I listen to your show a lot, Laurie. And again, you know, we see what we focus on. And so I can go into New York City and if I'm just, if I'm bringing my, you know, we all have bad mornings. If I take that with me, I'm going to find more of that. If I manage to reboot and reframe my mindset before I step out of the day um, and into the, into New York City, it, you know, appreciate the good and the good appreciates. Amen. <laughs> I'm such a firm believer in that. And I know we're here today because you have been working on a project that I'm excited to share with everyone. But before we get started, I want to talk about how we met because to me, it was a beautiful, the, the whole situation was everything I believe in. So we met at the Dallas trade show, ICES. And I just loved how it happened. First of all, I'm a big believer in connection. And my friend Carla pretty much reeled you into the room I was speaking in. So thank she you, was, Carla. She Oh, yeah. She was so lovely. The whole event, she was like, from the minute, you have to meet Lori. She's one of my, I know, I'm in her beauty. I'm in her biz, you know, in her, in her. Um, in the club, you know, yeah. In the club. <laughs> and you have to meet her. You guys are so alike. You'll love her energy. And I said, like, and then I think I finished speaking at two. She goes, and you're on at 4.30. I said, I promise to be there. She kept saying, you promise you're going to be there. <laughs> yes, I promise I'm going to be there. And I was there. Well, thank you. And you know what? You, I remember you were sitting on the floor and. Because your session was so busy. I couldn't, we were heaving into the hallways, everybody. <laughs> this is how, you know, respected Lori is. We couldn't even get in through the door. So yeah. Well, and that's what, okay. So this, I'm going to share this with you because we haven't had an opportunity to actually really speak. We've been texting and emailing, but you got up off the floor and you ran and got me your clicker because they didn't have one in the room and kind of had to push your way back in to give me the clicker. And I thought, oh my God, these little things mean so much to me. And it's about reciprocity and it's about supporting each other and it's about girl power. And that's been an overlooked business tool for far too long. Well, I think that's, and I, I think that's what you and your beauty biz club does too. It's this idea that we don't have to be in competition with each other. You know, we can do great things alone, but together as a community, that's when the magic happens. And my biggest gift, my biggest opportunities, and probably the fact, you know, maybe we're talking right now on your show, Lori, is as long as we look to others for inspiration versus competition, nothing, there's so many people that need our help. There's so many people that need the services that you're offering. There are so many people that need your ideas. And the unique thing that none of us can take or steal from anyone else is us, is our unique voice, our unique idea. And so I just think you know, that whole event, Dallas especially, and just looking at, you know, at, at Carla, and I think there was another Carla there also yeah, who was yeah. part of, I was like, okay, there's a lot of Carlas here. That's good because I'm terrible with names. Um, <laughs> Let's give them a shout out. It's Carla yeah. Hudson and Carla Dean Perez. <laughs> Thank you for the connection. And it's this idea that we can, we really rise together as sisters, you know? I so agree. And I think, like I said, it's something in women empowerment and women business that's been overlooked. I think a lot of women who are successful, somehow we carry around a label that 
maybe we're going to be bitchy. <laughs> it's so not the case. And when somebody else shows up for you, it to me, it was something so small that meant so much. So I wanted to thank you for that. You're welcome. And I also have one more personal question before we dive into what we're here to talk about today. Now, I want to know how you always are so perfectly dressed on stage because you look so wonderful when you're up there and the outfits are amazing. Do you have somebody that helps you? Are you a good shopper? Do you have your standard speaking outfits? I need to know. Oh my gosh, Lori, coming from you, that is the most, that's the greatest compliment. No, I, I dress myself. There's a couple, okay, I'm going to get really honest with your listeners right now. When I get um, excited and it's no longer, I mean, I get I'm sure before you speak to, there's this level of um, respect for the audience. I call my, uh, my, my nerves, it's a respect for the audience. It's a good thing. But with that, I get a little clammy, like under the pits and in the most awful areas, <laughs> like the groin area. So my first thing when shopping is, okay, what will not show sweat? Yes. I don't sweat like <laughs> I used to, but you know. Second thing is, where am I going to stick the mic pack? Because that's yes. always a challenge <laughs> as a female speaker. And then I do... Um, um, I always try and get people up and moving for a little bit because I say you've got to move your body to move your mind. And so I need something that has a little bit of freedom in it. But it's so funny you say that, Laurie, because I'm still trying to find my speaking style, if, if you would say. And yeah, I don't know what that is. It's got to be comfortable. I have to be able to move and it can't show the sweat. That's the honest truth. I love it. Do you want to know where I channel some of my speaking um outfits from or or the intention that I want to set or how I want to look on stage. And you're going to laugh when I tell you this. Yes, please. Rod Stewart. <laughs> okay. okay, you have to explain that a little deeper. Yes. The guy is in his mid 70s. And he always comes out and he's dressed to the nines. And he looks happy to be there. And I read his book and he talked about you got to show up for your audience. So I love how he adds, how he dresses into his performance and it makes you realize he loves what he does. That's part of it. That's an element of it. Yeah. And I think, you know, the more comfortable we are in our own bodies, in the, in the clothes that we wear, like you say, like he's, it's all about the audience, the more present you can be for your audience. For me, the hardest thing not to go off topic was we're finding shoes because my background was fitness. So I'm really comfortable in a good pair of sneakers, but that doesn't go well with the dress. So I really spent a lot of my time finding shoes because you put me in heels, my brain shuts off. And literally, I can't think of a thing I have to say for you. If my feet hurt, my brain hurts and I can't remember what I'm going to say. So for me, the biggest thing too is finding shoes that I don't notice that I'm wearing. Have you heard of Paul Green? No, look at all these. This is meant to be for your listeners, but I'm getting so <laughs> many tips already. No, I will look that up for sure. Some of my millennial, like supermodel clients from LA came, they'd always come in with the best shoes on. And I'd say, where did you get them? They looked hipster and they're like, they're Paul Green and they're so comfortable. And they are. And I think you can get them at Bloomingdale's or Nordstrom. So check that out for your, before your next gig. It, it may be a, a good, uh, literally a good platform for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sure to tag you. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So now I want to get dive into this because it's a, I really feel like we're here today to talk about a solution that you've created for an epidemic. So you have recently written your first book, which is called The Perfection Detox, Tame Your Inner Critic, Live Bravely, and Unleash Your Joy. I mean, that's amazing. Just the title itself makes you want to pick it up. And the cover of the book is beautiful too. So- Let's talk about why did you decide to write this book? 
You know what? You said something, Laurie, when I listened to you speak in Dallas. It was, this, it was this sentence. And I reference you a lot now when I speak. You said um, it was something to the, uh, the idea of you want your confidence to catch up with your career. And I was like, boom, mic drop. This is exactly why I wrote the book. Because not what, while not everyone thinks of themselves as a perfectionist, it's this idea of us needing to change who we are to be of worth, to be relevant, to be on topic, to be a leader, to be an expert. When in reality, it's like what you and I were talking before about not being in competition. It's not about changing who you are. It's about bringing more of you into your day, into your work, into your spa, into your whatever. And the reason I wrote this, Laurie, is because, I mean, I suffered from this for 10 years ongoing, seven years chronically. And, you know, I, I was talking about happiness and I was talking about fitness. And then I thought, you know, as I move into my second half of my career, I can talk about what people want to hear or I can go into the, not the underbelly, but let's really get to what I think is stopping most of us from our dreams or going for that dream job or going for that promotion or opening our own business. I believe all of us suffer in it to some degree, whether you call it perfection Maybe some of your listeners will go, well, that's not really me. But if I ever said to you, do you ever feel a lack of enoughness or worthiness? This is what this book is about. It's this idea of becoming something different where actually the book is, no, it's not about becoming anything different. It's unpeeling the layers to reclaiming who you are till someone told you you need to be more of this or you need to be less of that. Well, going back to that statement that you heard me say, I want to give credit where credit's due because that came about, uh, you know, your confidence hasn't yet caught up to, to our career and our opportunities came about for, from a session with my coach, Allie Brown. And we were talking about my industry and what's meeting. And I know Allie's a friend of both of ours. So I want to give her credit for that because it's so true in my industry and I guess everywhere, right? And the second thing you're talking about, actually, I opened your book, page 33 is one of the pages I highlighted. And I think... This for me was a sentence that really hit home and it's about what you were just mentioning. And it's perfectionist fear is a special multifaceted adversary. Even though it's just one unpleasant emotion, we find so many ways to spin it into our very own kaleidoscope of catastrophe. Oh my gosh. Yes, mm. I call it paralyzed by perfection. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we... Again, you know, what we don't look at, like fear to me, it's an, we would, let's say there's nothing, there's nothing good. There's nothing bad, but let's for today's conversation say fear for most of us is a negative emotion. And especially for someone who's dealing with a sense of I'm not perfect enough. I'm not this enough. It's just more proof of my lack of perfect self. Whereas underneath our fear, there are so many wonderful lessons if we choose to look at it. To me now, if you do feel afraid, it means two things. One, false fear. Like, you know, there are things like, you know, you need to be afraid if your, your daughter's about or your young boy's about to step off into the street and to traffic. Yeah, that's real fear. You, we need fear. I think there's a part of it too, Laurie, this whole bumper sticker world that we live in. Crush your fears. You know, don't worry about, well, no, fear's a really good, a really good emotion until it oversteps its boundaries. And I think for us, 
in your beauty biz, in your club, in the spa industry, for women especially, this idea that we, to go for the next step, it has to be done perfectly, automatically ignites this fear of A, who am I to be doing this? The fear of being judged, hello, along the way with all those, you know, internet warriors these days and the fear of me not doing it perfectly. So this idea, you know, fear, false expectations appearing real. One of my favorite definitions of it. Yeah. And I know. And the thing is, what happened to me when I started moving into anxiety and panic attacks, I was more afraid of the actual attack, the panic attack than you know, having it was actually the icing on the cake, the fear of the not knowing and then building it up inside my head and then writing all these other stories versus just taking the truth of it. And for many people, when you're feeling afraid, it's not a real fear. It's not something that we need to be afraid of to save our lives, let's say. It's really a sign probably that what you're looking at really matters to you. Yes. Yes. I say that all the time. If something scares you, you probably should be doing it. But I, you know, I really do think, I think, you know, you said just a few minutes ago that maybe perfectionism doesn't relate to certain people, but I think it really is a form of fear showing up. Perfectionism is a form of fear. Yeah. My favorite, I mean, I, you know, you and I, we both love quotes. Mine is Elizabeth Gilbert. Perfectionism is just fear in really good shoes. Yeah, it's true. It dresses itself up a little bit. You're right. And she's crafty. She'll put on a different accent. She'll wear a different lipstick. So, you know, she likes show up in all these different ways. But again, you know, fear is a reaction that you care about something. And what I'm seeing more and more, Lori, when I get, when I move into Let's say a speaking example for, let's say I'm going onto the stage to speak. I have a big event coming up next week. A healthy anxiety is me doing the work, showing up, practicing my craft, and then having, you know, respect for the audience. It's going to be a little bit of adrenaline going, this is really positive. It's going to get my energy up and be of service to the audience. But if I move my focus onto the little me, my egoic self, and I'm fearing of not getting, of not everyone loving me, of not doing it perfectly, of me not getting a five-star evaluation, that fear will rattle me down into the rabbit hole of doubt, dread, fear, worry, self-loathing. And it's not that, um, so for me, when I get into that space, I'm like, oh, interesting. And I use the word now, that's interesting. Instead of judging an experience as good or bad, like in the past, Laura, I'd be like, oh my God, Petra, you wrote a book about this and you can't even get your act together. You don't even, you know, you call yourself an expert. And now if I feel that fear coming up and not in a healthy way, I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Ah, if I sit with it, I'm like, oh, you've shifted your focus onto yourself. Change it around be back into focusing, give it a five-star experience to the audience. Will everyone love you? Probably not. If you can change one person's idea about their their place in the world, their self-worth, their ambition for the future, it's been a good talk. I love that. Thank you. Because it, it does feel like a lot of pressure standing up there and you certainly do want to be well-received. So I like that. If you can change one person, then you've done something good. 
Yeah. And for me, it's like, don't care less, but change where you place the caring, you know? And what was that? I mean, I love this idea that what you think of me is none of my business. And if I try to please everybody, what's going to happen? And I did this for many years, Lori. Oh my gosh. Did I want, I'm a people pleaser. I want everyone to love me. But then what happens is I kind of filter my message. I don't, I don't really stand for what I believe in because then I don't really want to offend anybody. But then I'm not really going to say anything new to anybody. So I'm watering down my message. Any impact I could have made is not going to be to the degree that I could make it. And again, it's the minute I make it about me and it's really hard. Um, I, there's a, there was a great saying, you know, we, we are all going to get criticized, whether you own a spa, whether you're doing a treatment, whether you're up on stage, Laura, and you're speaking like you are, when you have a podcast, we're all going to get criticized. But Seth Godin says to be remarkable means being remarked upon. Oh my God. I tell people that all the time. <laughs> Worthy of making a remark about. Yes. Yes. It means you're making an impact. And as long as we don't let the praise, because there's going to be great moments too, don't let that go to your head. But also we cannot let these critics, and there's so many of them right now in social media, do not let them go to your heart. It means you're being noticed. Doesn't mean it's easy. It's easy to say right now, but it really hurts when you get criticized. But again, if you're doing the work, you're saying what you believe, you're doing it for the right reasons, it's been a good day. And you know, the first time I noticed that I was being talked about publicly in a negative way, it put me in bed for a day. I couldn't believe people were saying this when I was just trying to do something good for an industry. And God, it takes a lot of work, but you're right. I've evolved. And now if I see something negative, I thought, you know what? I just have to go back and focus on my mission and stay in my lane. Yeah, no. Oh my gosh. I mean, I can still remember this is being completely honest now when I was, you know, especially in the fitness industry, I would go on, you go into a workshop, you'd be speaking and they just loved getting you all the evaluations and they love sending them to you. And I remember that this is like 25 years ago. So, you know, it's easy for me to, I still remember this one person that was just so horrible to me, but now I can look at it and laugh because I know the brain is going to latch on to the negative. But as long as I've done the work, as long as I've done, as I've prepared, you know, if someone criticizes me and I really didn't do the preparation, I didn't show up, then I deserve that. But if I've done the work and then they just didn't like what I said, or for many years I got criticized because my accent is so much less strong than it used to be, Laurie. I would get so many people saying, I can't understand her. I can't say, I, I don't like what she's wearing. I mean, that's just a personal opinion. I'm, I can't change that. But if I've done the work, then I let that slide off me now. And because no one's going to criticize me more than I do myself. <laughs> I know. We don't I'm need the, that, the cheerleading squad behind us. You're, you're certainly right about that. Um, you know, I when did you realize that it, was it being in the fitness industry? Because they really think my significant other, Jay, is in the fitness industry and he is harder on himself than I've ever seen. And people in the fitness industry seem to really carry this perfectionism thing around with them. Was it being in the, the videos that you were in or that industry? What was it that made you realize it had become a problem in your life? Yeah, no, I think this is a, such a great question, Lori, and also good for your audience too, because you know the business of beauty is really, it's kind, let's be honest, it's, 
it's what we look like. It's how good our skin is. I know you talk a lot about, you know, it's about the connection and having people not just look beautiful, because I don't care how beautiful you look. I don't care what size you are. If you don't feel powerful and beautiful on the inside, what the heck? But what we did really badly, unfortunately, in the fitness industry, and we've done a lot of good. I had a great career for 25 years. I never want to bash anything that served me so beautifully. But unfortunately, and we need to be careful of this now with our daughters, with social media, the messaging we say, especially in the business of beauty, we made what we look like the definition of success. We made that six pack. We made how muscular we were. We made what size, you know, what we looked like in a bikini instead of the body being the vehicle that moved us into a life of success. So all the goal setting for so many years was how much weight do you want to lose? How much, you know, how much stronger do you want to get? Instead of asking high powered questions like, what excites you about your life? You know, what do you want to do six months from now? What do you want to do a year from now? Maybe it is opening up your own spa, but you don't have to look a certain way to do that. You need to have energy. You need to have mindset. You need to have self confidence. And all of that comes when you move your body. But if you're moving your body to lose pounds, to get into a certain size gene, to get on a certain, you know, a certain weight on the scale. Oh my gosh, what we did, unfortunately, we made movement something that was a punishment versus a celebration of our life. And then we have, you know, what we're being sold. I look at God, thank goodness I was in that world before social media because I don't even imagine now, you know, the Instagram pictures. But then again, what I'm seeing, what I love to see right now on social media, Laurie, are people who are like the no filters, the heavier women that are owning their body with the like a million plus followers. There's a there's a shift. And then on the flip side of that, it's not hating on anyone who is selling beauty aspect of it, but also recognizing that what you see is very different to the story behind the picture or the blog. Yeah. I always laugh at Bethany Frankel's Instagram page. She will video herself when she wakes up in the morning with the craziest hair I've ever seen and no makeup on dark circles. And I'm like, good for her for owning it because it opens a space for the rest of us to feel okay that way. Yeah. And I, I did, again, another quote, but I just, I love this. Stephen Furtick, he's a pastor. And he said, the reason we're all struggling with our insecurity is because we're busy comparing our backstory to everyone else's highlight reel. Yeah. And that's what we see, you know, and I think now, I know you talk a lot about this, about the cell phone neck and the cell phone dec the decollete, which I am. Yeah, I, I listened to, you know, so I also, but it's your cell phone mind. Imagine what it does to your heart space and your head space as you're scrolling through all these images that your heart takes on as the real story. We don't stop enough to go, well, she probably took 150 pictures to get that one up there. She probably used 50 filters. It's, you know, and there's nothing wrong. I love celebrating beauty. I love looking at beautiful pictures, but I have to separate who I am from what I look like to not comparing myself to anyone else's story, which is, again, easy to say when I'm standing in my closet with no <laughs> camera on me. And let's be honest, when you said, oh, this is just audio only, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I don't have to pull out the lights and the diva light. And, you know, it takes a lot of work to look, you know, just. So, again, it's just, you know, also what I say is I have to still walk the walk, too. It's very easy to say 
it is not always easy to do to walk in confidence, owning who you are, and not comparing yourself to other people. Well, at a perfect example, I had to implement this into my life this week. And I'll tell you what, what happened, what the result of it was. My business manager said, there's so many people that have questions about this upcoming event that I'm having. She said, can you do a Facebook live today? And I had like 10 people working in my house, putting all new countertops in. It was 150 degrees outside and I hadn't showered. And I thought, oh, well, this is not going to be perfect. But I sat outside 100 degrees in my post-gym workout hair and clothing. And you know what? I had more responses to that video than I've had in a long time. The thing I've learned more than ever through doing this whole book and this conversation is people do not connect to perfection. No, they don't. No, I thought I had to, to be a fitness expert. I thought I had to look perfect, say the perfect thing, eat the perfect food, never drink a glass of alcohol. I mean, and it was just so constricting. And then the moment I began to become human, people connect in our cracks. And I, I changed that. I said, people connect through your stories. They connect not just through your successes, but also the struggles that we have. And though, as a fitness leader or as like you are a, a beauty biz leader, they also want to know that you have the solution. You know, we don't need to dwell in our cracks, but they need to know that Lori's had these struggles and she now has the tools and the strategies to get her and you up to the other side of success. And that's the same with me. But I meet people now in the darkest space. We don't hang out there, but I'm like, my story's not the same as yours, but I've had the struggles. I've had the heartbreaks. I've had the doubts of myself. And these are the tools and strategies that I've used. And hopefully they will help you too. Oh my gosh. I remember I had, anytime I had a pimple on my face, my LA clients would come into my spa and celebrate it. They'd be like, oh my God, you're human. You have a big pimple on your chin. (laughs) So you're right. I love that. They connect with us in our cracks. And our pimples. Yes, and our pimples. So I want to talk a little bit about the, the book because you do have a solution for people. Will you tell me um, what the detox from perfection, you have a 21-step process. Summarize what somebody reading the book will take away from this process or how they can implement it into their yeah. lives. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people talking. Some of my greatest people that I love, Brene Brown, Elizabeth Gilbert, that, you know, a lot of people are talking about, don't worry about being perfect. Just let it go. But tell a recovering perfectionist that I'm like, oh my God, I just, here's more things I should be doing. And I don't know how to do it. It's, I mean, it's, there's a lot of layers to this, this idea of worth and self-esteem and confidence. So I broke it down just like you would a, a diet. Like as you feed your body, you're going to feed your mind and your heart. So part one, is really just noticing the noise, your inner, I call it your inner critic. Some people call it your judge. It's that idea of um, taming that inner critic, that, that negative voice that tells you from your past that you're not enough of this or you're too much of that. And then exploring your potential, getting curious about the possibility of who would I be without these negative stories about myself? So first of all, you've got to clean out the muck. Then part two, which is about seven steps also, part two is living bravely. Like this is all the work from positive psychology. It's to live bravely and authentically and being more of who you are to the world. It's the steps that you're going to take to live bravely and show up and shine brightly. And then part three is basically unleashing your joy. These are actionable steps that I want people to be able to use, not just when they're reading the book, but you know, for years after. 
And I broke it down into 21 steps. So each step builds upon itself. It doesn't have to be done in 21 days. It doesn't have to be done perfectly. But each chapter has a story, either my own or someone else's. It's an actionable tips and strategies that you can implement into your daily life without disrupting your daily life. And it eases up this idea of not enoughness or who am I to be worthy of going for my dreams. Well, I think it's great because I know busy women and most of us are like a system. So the fact that you've mapped it all out, and it sounds like it could almost become ritualistic in our lives. No, exactly. I mean, you know, your confidence and your self-esteem need to be trained just like you train your body. You know, I know for the days where I am not doing the work, Lori, all of a sudden I feel a little uneasy about myself. I'm like, oh, I've forgotten to do this, or I'm listening to the voices, or I'm not moving my body, or I'm saying no more than I, I'm saying yes. And, you know, and I know my soul is telling me you're not doing things or making choices that are in alignment with your best self. So yeah, I wanted to do it in a way that, you know, we're already busy and now you're telling me I have to do something else. So I wanted to do it in a way that could, you know, little daily practices, there's options at the end of each step. You can pick one, you can pick three. If something doesn't resonate with you, you just leave it, come back and maybe revisit, revisit it. The only thing I do ask the reader is to go through the steps in order because there is a methodology to it. It's like cleaning out the muck, then the universe doesn't like a vacuum. So we've got to put something positive in there to fill the space. And then it's like longevity and execution. And how do we continue bringing our best selves forward in the perfect times and the not so perfect times? So I want to ask you this. This may break it down even a little bit more. You mention in the book, there are three types of perfection. Can you just elaborate a little bit? We don't want to give too much away because I want people to pick up this book. It's a game changer. And then maybe talk about is perfection ever a good thing? Mm, great question. So there are three types of traditional perfectionists. The first one is um, self, self-prescribed. So like I, and the, if out of all of the types of perfectionists, self-oriented is probably the most positive. If you're most, probably most people listening here, Lori, have parts of themselves that are perfectionists. They want to, they want to learn. They want to excel. They want to be good. They want to, you know, bring their best self into each day. Nothing wrong in that. But when it oversteps its boundaries, when perfection becomes your basement level of success, if it's not perfect, it's not worth putting out into the world, then it's crossed its boundaries. So there's self-oriented. We've kind of put the the idea of perfection on ourselves. There's a good piece to that and then a not so good to piece, piece to that. Then there's other oriented. Now, you might work for one of these. These tend to be people who expect others, others to be perfect. We need to be mindful of this if we're parents. Are we looking at our children? Are we expecting them to be perfect? If you own your own spa, your own business, do you expect the people who work for you to be perfect? Because that never works in relationships because everyone's going to start tiptoeing around themselves. You're probably micromanaging. And reality, oftentimes, if you are pointing fingers, it's fear-based leadership. It's fear-based parenting because we believe how other people operate in the world are a reflection of who we are. So that's really not great for relationships. Then there's socially prescribed. 
And I would say for people listening to your show, Lori, in the business of beauty, OMG, this is the big one. And in terms of our health and our happiness, this is actually the most devastating. It's when we believe we have to live up to the images that we see out in media. And most media sell to our insecurities. And I say we need to buy into our strengths. Now, I don't believe in pushing back against media or pictures, but we have to prime our minds where we can look at these beautiful images and see them for what they are, but not compare ourselves to them. But especially for young kids, Lori, this can be devastating, comparing ourselves to what we see on social media. So out of all of them, that's the most toxic, especially if you have children. And also if you have people coming into your spa business, notice that they're not going to tell you However much they might share with you their skin problems, they're not going to say, you know, Lori, you're going to say, how am I feeling? How are you feeling today? Oh, you know, I feel great. Well, maybe they're really feeling, oh my gosh, I feel so lonely. I feel so insecure because of all the things I'm seeing. So we have to be super compassionate and bring our empathy to everything that we do, especially in the business of beauty and fitness. Well, you have seen, and so have I, so much behind the scenes stuff. Like I recently did a TV spot and I had on two pair of Spanx. They, they gave me the wardrobe. This was, you know, part of the gig. Two pair of Spanx. Underneath, they were safety pinned to my bra. And then they had 15 clamps down the back of me to get my clothes so they looked the right way on camera. I could barely breathe. I could barely sit. But when I sat down and looked at myself in the camera, I'm like, damn, I look good for all that's going on underneath. So you were in fitness videos. You did the Body by Jake videos, right? Yeah, I was with him for, yeah, for many years. Oh, I probably watched you and did them on my big, you know, big box TV, right? <laughs> you probably, I was probably there with a British accent, grapevining and squatting away with you. <laughs> I love it. I probably had my Reeboks and my shiny spandex on moving with you. So was there a lot of stuff that maybe people didn't realize? You looked perfect on TV. The gals in those videos, I'm like, oh my God, who doesn't want to look like this? But with, you know, there's smoke and mirrors, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, the TV shows, not so much. We filmed those in 20 minutes. And, and so, but even then, you know, you had three cameras, you had full on makeup, you had AC, air conditioning, poor people. Like I sweat a lot. So the AC would be down to like 40 degrees. So the poor <laughs> cameraman would be like in mufflers because we don't want to have, you know, God forbid you're working out and you're sweating. Well, right. that's not sexy. <laughs> But then on the VHS tapes, my very first VHS tape was with Nancy Kerrigan. And it was right around the time she'd gotten hit on her knee. And that's my very first foray into the Reebok, you know, being on camera. It was a 10-day shoot. It was filmed on film. It cost like a million dollars. And we would film for five minutes and then repeat it 10 times. So then they would put... I mean, it was just insane. So then people are seeing that and they'll go, how do you work out? You never seem to lose your breath. I'm like, well, I don't want to work out for five minutes. And then it'd be like hair and makeup. So <laughs> even that it's smoke and mirrors. But again, here's the thing. We can talk about this and I can, I can know this, but my heart takes it on as true. Yeah. You know, my brain can go, well, you know, Petra, really that model had this and this and then she was airbrushed, but my heart just sees in a blink of an eye, we process images so much faster. So our heart has already been like a little injured by that comparison that we did without even realizing it. Yeah. And you're right. It does affect us and hold us back because we think we are supposed to or have to look like that. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then I I saw this really this other the other day, and I thought it was so beautiful. And just, um, you know, every time we see something and we compare ourselves to something, we then automatically are judging ourselves. And I read this: every time we judge ourselves, we break our own hearts. Ah, yeah. Right. But just quickly, I know you had an answer because I know um, time is of an essence. You had said, is perfection ever a good thing? Yes. Yeah. I mean, my question is, when you think of the word perfect, does it add more joy to your life or does it suck the joy out of you? That's a good place to go when you're feeling on the edge. That's the metric. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's like, you know what? Okay. I want to, I want to double check my podcast one more time. Yeah. I want to do that because I want it to be as good as it can be. Nothing wrong with that. I'm going to check my show notes. Nothing wrong with that. But if I'm triple checking and then I'm like double questioning myself and all of a sudden I'm moving into that spiral of doubt, mm -mm, it's overstepped its boundaries. So we want to keep the excellence. We want to keep working hard. We want to keep learning. We want to keep striving to be better than we ever were, but it's not at the expense of who we are today. I love that. And I, there's something I really, really want to ask you. I want to kind of wind down on a more serious note because I think it's a power note, but first tell people where they can find your book and how they can start to follow you. Well, the book, you can find everything about it at perfectiondetox.com. And then social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and my website, it's petrakolber.com is the web- website, P-E-T-R-A-K-O-L-B as in boy, E-R. Okay. So I have two more questions for you. I'll tell you what they are so you can wrap your mind around them. The, we're going to end, this will be question number two, with just maybe if you could give our listeners one or two success tips and maybe yours just simply surround letting go of perfectionism. But before we go there, you're a two-time cancer survivor. And this question, I'm so glad that we talked about this and you're allowing me to ask you about it because I feel like for so long, women never talked about this. And how are we going to help each other in this area if we don't talk about it? So I want to know, first of all, because this is, I'm oncology certified at my spa and I always ask my clients, how did you find your cancer? Because I think we need to know more about this. And then I want to know what lessons did you take away from being a, you know, two-time cancer survivor? Yeah. So I had two different types. I had melanoma on my foot, stage one, and then I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, stage 2A, and they were separate. So the melanoma, this is interesting, especially, you know, in the, I'm so glad that you're in, you have that credentials too, Lori. It's such amazing work. The melanoma, I actually had a very dark mole. So it's the ABCDs, asymmetry, B is the border, C is the color, and D is the diameter, I guess. I just remembered that. Oh, that just that, <laughs> that was good. But the vaults, <laughs> oh my God. Um, so I had this black mole on the sole of my foot and two dermatologists had said there's nothing wrong in it. And you know what? I always say, be your, you don't want to be, you don't want to get paranoid, but your gut is really good. So listen to your intuition. So I thought, let me just get it checked one more time. And this dermatologist said, let me just do a scraping. And she said, the minute she saw it, it was, it was interesting too, is on the bottom of my foot. And so I had to have it cut out. They went in about, about an inch into my foot. And I was in the fitness industry at the time. And so it made me cancel a couple of events. And even then I was like, can we, can this just wait till the end of my convention circuit? And the guy's like, uh, yeah, no, cancer doesn't wait for your schedule. You get your ass in here. We're going to get it taken out. And so that was the first one. And then the second one, and this one was interesting. I really wasn't ignoring it, but I was traveling a lot with Reebok at the time. A lot of international, a lot of different time zones. I was feeling very, very tired. I just put it down to 
the, all the travel, but I did have a lump on my neck and it started like a pea size and I would play with it and notice it. And it, de it definitely grew. I mean, I think I've had it for about a year and I just went in for a checkup and my, it was my doctor that said, are you here to see me about the lump on your neck? I said, well, actually, no, I'm not. I'm here just for my regular checkup. And he just right there and then got me in for tests. And luckily it came back as Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is very treatable. And I was in my mid thirties at the time. So it's a very common age to get Hodgkin's. So I was lucky. I had great care. I had great doctors. One thing I do know, if anyone's going through this, you have to become your own advocate or get someone for you um, that does the research, that double checks your doctor. You have to find a doctor that you trust. Yeah. And then I think my greatest lesson was I did my best living during those times. I don't wish this on anyone. And, you know, we often... It's this idea of the extraordinary in the ordinary of days, Laurie. We forget when everything's going well, what a gift that is until it's taken away from us through grief, through a loss of a relationship, through loss of our health, through the loss of, you know, the, the loss of this belief that we know what tomorrow's going to bring. Mm -hmm. And once you've been told that you no longer, that tomorrow that you thought you had is not the tomorrow that's been given to you. I faced my worst fear because there were two weeks there in between them knowing that I had cancer from the Hodgkins, but they didn't know what it was. So for two weeks, I knew I had cancer. They said, we think it's either two things, Hodgkins, which we're hoping it is, or it's your melanoma that has now traveled. And we've got two very different stories. So what I had to learn to do very quick in those two weeks is just live in the moment because if I even considered option B, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what, I just couldn't have operated. So I learned how to live in the moment. And then once I was diagnosed with, ah, it's Hodgkins, you know, you're going to be fine. Very little sympathy from my doctors. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, once I lived with that, I had already faced the worst thing, fear. What else was there to be afraid of? Lori, I was at my most imperfect. I had a bald head. I put on 20 pounds from the, you know, the drugs. I was fearless. I never felt more beautiful. I had three different wigs, gave them names. I had Penelope, Roxanne, and someone thing else. And one was black and long. One was <laughs> red bob. And I was just fearless because I'd faced the worst fear. And that was a real fear. And then, you know, 20 years out, I am so blessed but, okay, we can get real, real quickly now because I know the results are good. Just yesterday, I had to go for biopsy. Everything's fine. Everything's normal. But right then, your body holds on to the trauma. And all of a sudden, I'm making all these promises. You know, I'm going to do my best work. I'm going to, you know, take care of myself. I'm not going to be afraid again. Why does it take us having to face these terrible situations to remember the extraordinary in the most ordinary of days? You know, it's really, truly a gift that we have to go to that place of trauma, I guess, if you want to look at it, it's an opportunity. And I'll share with you the reason I became oncology certified. I had one woman who came in for tanning and facials mm -hmm. every week. I think she would come to me and she was dying of lung cancer at 40 years old. And she laid on my bed one day and I still get emotional when I think about this. Mm -hmm. And she said, I would, and she was sick. She was really sick. She said, I would live this sick for the next 20 years to watch my kids graduate from high school and get married. And I still think, thank her for that gift. Like appreciate what you have. 
this woman would live this sick to see the things that I take advantage of seeing every day. Yeah. And it's just, I think, you know, it's that, it's that, it's that balance, right, Lori? It's like, you know, we don't want to dwell too much in that dark space, but yet it teaches us so much. Just one more thing around, you know, around death, because you know, that's the thing we're fighting, but with fitness and beauty, we're trying to fight this idea of getting older. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, you know, my um, my sister, my mom passed away three years ago of a really pretty severe and pretty devastating cancer. And it happened really fast. And we were with her for the last four months, my sister there full time, me part time, but I was there for the last two weeks. And she, when they realized that the chemo wasn't working, oh my God. She, she had so much grace and she said to the doctor, well, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. It's allowed me to see, I always knew how much my daughters love me, but I never realized how much. So if anything, let's use this little reminder. Don't wait to tell someone how much you love them. Don't wait to tell your customers how much you appreciate them. Don't wait to tell your staff how much value that you bring to your life. Don't wait to tell your best friends how much, you, you know, they mean in your life because we just don't know. This is, it's fun. We are so grateful and, you know, what a great business that you and I are both in. But let's just always remember the extraordinary in the ordinary of days. I love that. I love that. And what a beautiful gift for your mom to give you guys just by that simple statement. Yeah, that's for sure. We're going to wind down today because I know you're probably getting claustrophobic in your closet. (laughs) Just sweating a little bit. (laughs) What would one success tip be that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Oh, I would say learn to ask for help. Ask for help because to grow you know, to stretch yourself to go that next step means maybe learning a new, you know, a new treatment, learning, you know, maybe even something on the computer, maybe learning social media. The biggest thing I think is hard for us is asking for help. As women, we are really good at giving help and giving advice. It's really hard to ask for it. So I say, don't be afraid to say you don't know and ask for help. I love that. Thank you so much for that. And one more time before we go, tell everybody, the name of the book, where they can find it and where they can start to follow you because people are going to want to know. Oh, thank you, Lori. So the book, you can find that at perfectiondetox.com. And then me, it's Petra Kolber, petrakolber.com. And it's my name for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And thank you so much, Lori, really for this wonderful conversation. Um, I mean, I'm really, is inspiring me. So thank you. Oh, of course. Thank you for being here. And then where do I get to see you again? Are we both in, are you in Long Beach or Miami? I know I saw you pop up somewhere and I can't recollect... I'm going to be at both Long Beach oh, and Miami. Okay. So then we're, I'll see you there. We're just at least going to have to connect for a quick hello and a hug, if nothing else. So absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Petra, have an awesome day. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning into the Beauty Biz Show. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to build the beauty biz of your dreams. If you'd like to know more about how you can become a member of the Beauty Biz Club, the only professional success-based society designed to fuel your success by providing you with the ongoing resources that are needed to excel in the beauty industry, please visit beautybizclub.com. Again, that's beautybizclub.com. 
Also, if you'd like a copy of my free report, Top 10 Secrets of Successful Beauty Biz Practitioners, please visit LoriCrete.com. 